Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. So even though this is the first Sunday of Advent, we are concluding our series on the Holy Spirit. And I don't think I told you, but a long time ago we had a new members class. And somebody in our new members class, after it was all done, said, well, we didn't even hardly talk about the Holy Spirit. And I said, you know what, you're right, we really didn't talk much about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tends to be that third person of the Trinity that we just don't talk a whole lot about. And so I said to myself, you know what, that shouldn't be. Uh, And so we began a study a number of weeks ago on the Holy Spirit. And so today we are concluding, and our sermon is entitled, Bear Much Fruit. Is that how you spell bear? That's a bear. I think it's B-A-R-E. Is it? No? No. This is right? Okay. Bear, as in the animal bear, but then bear as in bear. All right. That's why, that's why I hope when I pass this on, I've got somebody smarter than me that uh, does the proofreading. Bear much fruit. That is our sermon today. And on the back of your bulletin, there is an opportunity for you to take some notes if you so choose. There is a reading on the back of your uh, sermon, uh, on the back of your bulletin, and it says this. Jesus said, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. John fifteen eight. It's rather simple, at least on paper, this idea of bearing fruit. But to think back over what we've been talking about concerning the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, I personally have learned so much in studying and presenting these messages to you concerning the Holy Spirit. We discovered that the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. The Holy Spirit rules us or draws us to Christ. The Holy Spirit is in charge of new birth or regeneration, it's called. The Holy Spirit then, after we become born again, indwells us. And after the Holy Spirit indwells us, the Holy Spirit empowers us. Uh, The Holy Spirit is also our guarantee of adoption. We are then adopted by the Holy Spirit into God's family And the Holy Spirit is our guarantee of salvation because if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you are saved. The the Holy Spirit also gifts us, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, gifts us to serve His church. And finally, the Holy Spirit is a part that ushers us to glory one day. How do we know that as our Savior, Christ, who began this good work. This is a Bible verse, Philippians 1.6, one of my favorite. He who began this good work in us will continue to do it until we are called home. As one president quipped a while ago, it's all about the economy. Well, for the Christian, it's all about the fruit. It's all about the fruit. The fruit in our lives signifies we are Christ followers. And from our verse up there, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 
And that fruit also gives us guidance on how the Holy Spirit manifests himself in our lives. That fruit is found in Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to look at that verse together. Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 26. So if you have your Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 5. And if you remember, go eat popcorn. Uh, that is uh, how you find Galatians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go eat popcorn. All right. So, what I'm going to read here are the fruits of the Spirit. You know them. You know, you probably know them. And if you do, you can already write them down in those nine spots that are in your bulletin there. In fact, we studied them with Martha on Wednesdays. You know them, the fruits of the Spirit. There are nine of them. These are the spontaneous byproducts of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, these are the spontaneous byproducts that you will present. And so here is the reading. But the fruit of the Spirit, so right before that, Paul lists the works of the flesh. And he says, hey, they're evident. We know what they are. And he goes down and gives a long list there. But then he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. This is an important verse, verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And we've got to be careful that as we keep in, spec, uh, in step with the Spirit that we not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. That is the word of the Lord. And there you go. There are all nine fruits of the Spirit. You can write them all down on your paper and then you can go to sleep. No, you can't. Don't do that. All right, so we're going to go through these one at a time. And I'm just going to give you a brief uh, illustration. The big thing that I want you to get from this is at the very end of your bulletin it says, What fruits do you struggle with producing in your life? And you might say, well, you know what, sometimes all of them. <laughs> That's probably true. We do. But as we live by the Spirit, we are slow becoming more and more like Christ. It's called sanctification. And the things that we do by the power of the Holy Spirit show us to be followers, disciples of Jesus. So the first one is love. I think you're aware that there are four different words for love in the Greek language. There is, number one, a love between a husband and wife. Number two, there is a love between children and parents. Number three, there is a love between close friends. And number four, the one that it's talking about here, is a love between God the Father and God the Son. And God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit make up the Trinity. And the Trinity love between each of them and between them and us is called, what's the word for love? You know it. Agape. Agape love. Agape love. It's a perfect love. I think it's interesting that the fruit of the Spirit has the perfect love. 
And you're saying to yourself, man, that's hard. Yeah, it is. And that's why you need the Holy Spirit to help you as He fills your heart and life so that you can learn to love the agape love, the perfect love. It's the love that seeks the absolute best in others. And the whole concept of what kind of love this is, is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, you know that as the love chapter. If you want to look over there, it says this. This is, this is agape love. So if you're saying, I'm not really sure what kind of love this is, well, this is that kind of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So that's the love that it's talking about here, and it's it's a it's a big it's a big love. It's a big task, and it's not easily accomplished. When you think about some of those things, love is patient. Have you ever been unpatient? Love is kind. Have you ever been unkind? Have you ever envied? Do you like to boast? Are you proud? Love is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Every now and then I have to remind people in my family, it's not all about you, you know. The love that is self-seeking, it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's a tough one. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So one, and a lot of people think that love in the fruit of the Spirit is like the balloon and all of these other things are inside the balloon. Because if you do all, this is like the big picture of love. That's the balloon. And then inside there is joy, peace, patience. And so a lot of people think that love kind of is the most important one. But I think they're all important. So we've got love. We've got joy. The word joy means a delight or gladness. And here's the, here's the tough thing about joy. Completely independent of outward circumstances. You know, a lot of people get joy and happiness kind of confused. Happiness is kind of like when everything's going wonderful. You know, you're happy. I mean, and it's nice to be happy. But joy is something that's deeper than that. It's completely independent of outward circumstances. The Apostle Paul wrote one of the most joyous books. You know it to be... Philippians. And he wrote Philippians while he was in prison, in jail. How can you write the most joyous book when you're in jail? Well, because you have joy. Completely independent of outward circumstances. It's also the kind of joy that James uses in James chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy when you encounter various trials knowing that those trials will produce abundantly in your life more and more godly fruit. So it's that kind of joy. It's a, it's a heavenly joy knowing God is the foundation of your life. Peace. 
Love, joy, peace. It's a similar Greek word to harmony or to contentment or to fearless or to quietness. That's, that's, that's the word peace. It comes from an assurance of salvation. I have peace in my soul. Not, not, not the peace that the world gives, but a peace in my soul because I know Jesus resides there. And it also comes from an assurance that God is in control. You know, I look into my world and your world, and it, <laughs> at times it looks like a mess, doesn't it? There's an inner peace because we as believers know that God is in control. The next word is patience. It's similar to steadfastness or endurance or a slowness in avenging wrongs. So in our definition in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it keeps no record of wrongs. It's an idea of patience. Slowness in avenging wrongs. That's why, that's why they tell you to count to ten. You know, before you say anything or before you do anything, if something has just got the, the back of your hair there and you're just feeling like you're having a hard time, count to ten. Because what you need at that moment is patience. A slowness in avenging wrongs. Maybe your translation reads, instead of patience, maybe it reads long-suffering. Long-suffering. The word long-suffering means long-temper. means long-temper. Self-restraint in the face of provocation. That's a tough one, isn't it? Self-restraint in the face of provocation. Jesus says to turn the other cheek. That's something that we don't often like to do. But that is the word patience. It's the fruit of the Spirit. If the Spirit resides in you, this is one of the byproducts of the Spirit residing in you. And it has to be a Spirit thing because on your own you just can't do these things. The next is kindness. Kindness in this instance is a verb. It's an action word. It's goodness in action. Maybe your translation uses gentleness. But it's kindness and it's a verb here. It's an action word. It's goodness in action. And many of you have been kind in decorating our church to be beautifully adorned for Christmas. And thank you very much. You, you, you showed your kindness yesterday by coming here and putting some feet and hands to your kindness and decorating. That was a kindness. Thank you. The next word is goodness. This one is not a verb. This is a noun. It's an, it's an uprightness of heart. It's a moral quality pleasing to God. Goodness. It's an attitude that is pleasing to God. It said, and I, I, I didn't think about this, but I read this this past week. It said Jesus showed goodness when he cleared the temple. I thought, oh, that's interesting. It's, a, it's an uprightness of heart. It's a moral quality pleasing to God. So that you could see that if, 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 you, if, you, see, if you see goodness. It's a, it's a moral quality pleasing to God. When Jesus cleared the temple, you would think that that, that wasn't good. That was bad. And he was angry. 
But there, there was a goodness there. And then Jesus showed kindness, kind of that verb, to the sinful woman who anointed his feet with oil. So in Jesus, you see kindness and goodness in those two qualities. Uh, faithfulness. The next is faithfulness. The word means reliable, trustworthy, confident, an assurance to bring to full measure. That's why it says that God is faithful. God is faithful. He will do what he said he will do. You know, the great thing about God is he never changes. If he makes a promise in the Old Testament, he will complete it in the New Testament. God never changes. God is faithful. He who began a good work in you, Philippians 1.6, will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus or until you pass. God is faithful. It's an honesty. It's an, it, it, it's an honesty word for us. Making sure that your yes is yes and your no is no. It's a, it, it, it's a faithfulness word. It's a, it's, a, I will, it's a reliable word. It's a trustworthy. It's a confident word. Gentleness. Gentleness. It means meekness or humility or considerate or teachable. It's used of an animal that has been tamed and brought under control. We had some, we had some visitors at our house uh, this, this uh, Thanksgiving. We had a visitor named Cash, and we had a visitor named Josie. And when Cash and Josie and Ruby, that's our dog, three dogs in our house, when Cash and Josie and Ruby got together, we were a little nervous that might go crazy in our home. But they all got along very well. They were, they were all gentle. And we have a pretty picture of Gracie sitting on the couch with Josie in her lap, with Cash in her lap, and with Ruby in her lap. It, it was, it's just a pretty picture of gentleness. That, that, and, and, and that's a good picture of the idea of gentleness. Meekness, humility, considerate. It's used of an animal that has been tamed and brought under control. And then last but not least, and maybe, I don't know for you, I don't know, maybe one of the most difficult ones is self-control. Self-control. A self-controlled person is a master of his desires, his emotions, his passions. Self-disciplined is another word, or you might use the word willpower. That person has a lot of willpower. It's a control under the operation of the Holy Spirit. This person is so under control that they are fit to serve others, especially in difficult situations. I just renewed my CPR. And uh, I want a person with CPR experience to have self-control. They're the ones that when things are going crazy, they're focused and they're controlled. They have self-discipline. They have willpower. And so you're looking at this list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
And those are all beautiful, wonderful words. And you're saying to yourself, like I sometimes do, well, you know what? I struggle with those. Why am I struggling with those? Well, you remember the three circles? Remember the three circles? The one circle is the gentleman who's, gentleman or lady who's not a Christian. Christ is outside of their life. The next circle is a Christian where Christ is on the throne of their life. And they have as self been put down to the bottom of the chair, if you will, bottom of the throne. They're letting Christ rule their life. And then there's the third circle. Remember the third circle? The third circle had S on the throne, which describes us. We want to be in charge. Christ is inside the circle. We're still a Christian, but we're not letting Christ be in control. We're taking ownership of our own lives. And when we take ownership of our own lives, well, these things don't become very evident. And so what we need to do is say, Lord, I've been trying to run things on my own. I've been trying to do things my way. And because of that, I'm, I'm in a mess. I don't have much love. I don't have much joy. I don't have much peace. I don't have much patience. I don't have much kindness. I don't have much goodness. I don't have much faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control. And the reason <coughs> is because you are on the throne of your life. And when you're on the throne of your life, things get messed up. And so you need to say to yourself, you know what? I need to get back in the passenger seat. I need to let the Lord be the driver. And I need to move over there. Because as the Holy Spirit indwells us, He also empowers us to leave the works of the flesh and become clothed with these traits. They naturally flow from a person controlled by the Holy Spirit. They are the spontaneous byproduct of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. And so that last verse there, verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's have the Spirit be on the throne of our lives. If you're not producing these regularly, well, maybe you're not a Christian. Or maybe you are in the third circle and not be, you are not being a spirit-controlled Christian. And so, at the very bottom of your bulletin, it says, What fruits do you struggle with producing in your life? Which ones? I just want you to take a minute or so and look at that list and, uh, and determine which, which ones do you struggle with. And then, and then I want you to write that down. And if you have to, you know so that nobody sees, although your neighbor probably will tell you <laughs> which ones you struggle with. Uh, write those down, and then at the bottom of the bulletin, it says what? Let's see that next slide. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you now. Now. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, 
please visit our website at minatristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.